This is my buddy Dave. He calls himself what? Dave. What? I didn't know you knew my name. Huh? Blondie told me. Oh, that's good. That's good. He's the preacher man, senior holy down at Jinxtown. <laughs> but he'll be preaching, sharing the word here for the month of August, and it'll be a treat for all of us. And he he's always prepares. He shares the message of Christ, and so we'll be blessed to have him share the message today. I want to pray with you. God, thank you for this morning. And Father, as we sing those songs, help us to really believe them. And not only believe them, but help us to live of how great you are. And God, thank you for the power of the message. Thank you for the power of the word. And God, be with my brother as he shares and reminds us. And also, God, reminds us to keep our focus and to be involved in your kingdom. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the power of the Spirit that you've given us a long time ago. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm pulling this off because if you remember, I like to move around. So um, so I texted Ron yesterday. I said, all right, I've got plan A and plan B. He said, go with plan A. We're going with plan B. <laughs> So you just never know. You never know. Um, so here, here's my opening question. This is the interactive portion of our time together today. Uh, how many of you like the Olympics? Do you like the Olympics? Oh, good. These are my people, right? I love me some Olympics. My kids are not big fans of the Olympics. They're like, this is boring. Why do I want to watch people play table tennis and swim in circles and all those things? But I love every bit of it. Uh, I don't know. It's just... There's just such a good competitive nature to it, right? I mean, it's it's one-on-one. It's six people lined up, and they take off. It's, and it's every completely random sport you've never heard of, which I love. I mean, you learn, like the Winter Olympics, they've got curling, which you don't actually curl anything. You slide stuff across ice and sweep. Looks like chores. You get a gold medal for it, right? But I love the Olympics. I love it because... I'm a competitive person, right? I like to win. My girls can attest. I don't let them win anything. Uh, they get really mad sometimes. Other dads let their kids win, not me. Uh, you're going to earn it or you just don't get it. Uh, not because I don't love them, because I love you so much. I'm going to teach you how to lose graciously. Um, because here's, here's the deal, and we can all agree on this. Winning is better than not winning, right? I mean, that's deep theology right there. I mean, you can... You can take that home with you today. Winning is better than not winning. Well, here's the reality. It's that way in everything. Well, whether, it's, whether it's a competition like the Olympics or like sports or games or whatever, but it's also that way in life. And, and we've got to approach life. God wired us to win in this life. And I think that's my biggest frustration as a minister is... You grow up hearing all these stories and, and you hear other guys teach and, and I've even been guilty of it from time to time too. It's we so minimize what God does in our life. We, we minimize it down to, uh, you know, if you're having a bad day, you'll eventually get out of it, right? If, if things aren't going well, it will eventually get better. And all of that's true. But we weren't meant to just survive. We weren't meant to just barely make it through. We were designed, we were equipped to win. And winning is a lot better than not winning. 
right, in every aspect of our life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to talk about a couple other times that I'm back with you through the month of August. But I've got to pause because some of you didn't raise your hands and you said you don't like the Olympics. Now, God loves all people. There's grace enough for you to be wrong today, and that's okay. But I get it. Not everybody's super competitive, right? Some people, you hear this term winning, and you're like, what does that have to do with God? And I don't really get this, and I don't care about winning or losing, so this means nothing. I get that, right? Especially if it's in one of those areas of life where you say, you know what? I'm never going to win, so why try? Right? Like, I could go to the Olympics, and I could line up on that starting block, and I could take off for the 100 meters. They would finish. Three days later, I would finally make it across the line. So why try? Well, because of that mentality, and I get that, we all approach things differently. Some people approach it, well, I can't ever win, so why try? For me, that's golf, right? I get that. Uh, There are much less time-consuming and inexpensive ways to feel bad about myself. I don't need golf to do that. Um, So I don't even try it. I just don't even play. And so I I do understand the non-competitive side, but at my core, I'm competitive. And and I want to win, and I want to do well. That's part of why I love the Apostle Paul. Paul had it, right? He was, everything he did, he was the most extreme, Everything he went at, he went at with all his gusto. When he hated Christians and Christianity, guess what? He used every resource he could to kill them, throw them in jail, stop them. But when he met Jesus, he used that same passion, that same energy, that same desire to go out and win people for Christ. And that was his mentality, and that's how he attacked everything. And so... That's, that's the idea. And so what I want to do today is we, as we just kind of dip our toe in the waters of what is winning as Christians, winning as Christ followers look like, I want you just to think about it for a minute. In your life, what does winning look like? What does winning look like for you in all areas of your life? Well, what does winning look like for you? You know, what's the win relationally? As you think about the relationships you have, whether it's dating or marriage or parent to child or child to parent or brother to sister or friend, in your relationships, and we've all got them, what is winning? Like, let's define the win. What's the wins for you financially? You say, well, just not go broke. All right, that's, that's a win, right? But what's, what's the, that's, that's, a, that's a goal, that's something achievable, but what's the win? What does winning look like? Here's why I say all this. God gave us the ability to do more than what we think we can. But we've got to start pursuing that. We've got to tap into the power that God actually has for us. What's the win in our family? Right? What, what's a win for kids? You know, as, as a dad, as a husband, I've got to constantly be evaluating. What is it for me? What is it for, for my kids? What do I want to instill in them? How do I want to lead them? What kind of husband do I want to be? Do I want to model for them? What, in 50 years, what do I want my relationship with my daughter to look like? Right? In, in 20 years, what do I want my relationship with my wife to look like? We've got to define a win because if we don't have wins, we can't actually ever get there. So we've got to have that. You know, professionally, for me, wins are preach a good sermon, don't let anybody fall asleep, and get them to lunch on time. All right? That's a win. 
Now, it's not a good win, but it's a win, right? It's win souls. So what is it for you? What's a win in your profession? What's a win in your world? Because, see, the reality is, in the areas of life that matter most, most people don't define wins. We're just trying to make it. We're just trying to get it through. And the areas of your life, your walk with God, your relationships, your families, if you never define a win, you're never going to get there. You're never going to actually accomplish the win. But worse than that, if you don't define what a win is for you, you're going to adopt somebody else's. You're going you're to begin to think you only should achieve what somebody else tells you you should achieve. In your walk with God, you think you're only going to go as far as somebody else tells you you can go. In your relation, all these areas of our life. Or what's worse, we begin to adopt this idea of not goals, right? Well, I'm not going to jail. Well, I'm not going broke. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. Well, I'm not, I'm not like I was six months ago or two years ago, right? And we so limit who we are and who God's created us to be down to just what we're not. And church, right? Let's be honest about who we are. Sometimes that's how we define who we are as a church. Well, we don't do that, or we don't do this. Well, we're not that church down in Jinx that's all crazy and all the crazy stuff they've got going on, Right? It's okay to laugh. We, we know our reputation. We're kind of goofy down there. And we so limit everything that God has designed us to be into simply what we're not. So, what is it? What's the win in your life? And if you don't know, it's really hard to tell if you're actually winning, isn't it? You know, the thing I love about the Olympics, there's a start and there's a finish. And the wind's pretty obvious, isn't it? You know where you're going. You know if you get there or not. And so you've got to begin to think about all this stuff. And, and I get it. I know where you're at. You're already thinking, Dave, this is like a self-help talk. This isn't, we haven't even gotten to the Bible yet. Like, what's going on? Listen, we'll get there. I promise. Because Paul understood it. Paul, who was the most influential writer in history, probably, I mean, you think about how much of Western civilization is shaped by the letters of the apostles, by the letters of these men who started a movement that's still going on thousands of years later. Paul even used the same sports analogy, the same winning idea as he talked to me and you, as he gave purpose to our walk with Christ, as he gave, he said, it's so much more than just getting to heaven, not going to hell. It's how we get from the start to the finish. It's what we do with our years here on earth. How are we winning with the life that God has entrusted us with? How are we winning in this day to day? All right, so grab your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, you're saying, Dave, you're supposed to put it up on the big screen. I know, but you're supposed to bring your Bible to church, right? So, <laughs> so pull out your phone, whatever you got to do. 1 Corinthians 15. Here it is. This is Paul. For I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church. But he doesn't stop there. He says, verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
and his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, he's saying, listen, I know who I was. I know what I did. I know how unworthy I felt, how unworthy I was in my past life. But by the grace of God, I still get a chance to win. By the grace of God, I get a chance to accomplish more than what I figured out on my own. By the grace of God, I didn't just receive grace and my sins were forgiven and then I kept on living however I wanted to live. By the grace of God, my life changed. He said it was not without effect. He says, no, I worked harder than all these other guys. Don't you love his competitiveness? He starts out so humble. Ah, I'm not as good as these other guys. But by golly, I worked harder than all these other guys. Right? I'm not as good as the other apostles because of my mistakes. But once I met Jesus, I outworked all of them. And this isn't a sermon where it's work harder and you get to heaven faster. That's not it. It's Paul says, listen, I was competitive. I had a mindset that said, I'm going to be the best version of me I can be. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus stronger and harder and faster than anybody else. Why? Because that's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm called to do with my day. He says, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And so what I love about this, as we, as we continue to read this here in just a minute, is Paul gives us a win, but he also gives a message for me and a message for you. He defines his win, but he also says something afterward that gives us insight into who we're called to be as Christ followers and who we're called to be as children of God. So he gives us the win, and then it's followed by the motivation. Pick it up in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. What's the win? Win as many people as possible. Or the old white-haired guy that hangs out around here says it like this. Keep thinking souls. The goal, the win for me and you, that what defines who we are as Christ followers is we are to go out and win as many people as possible. Not for us, not to build a big church, not to, for the kingdom. So that more people know Christ, so that more people experience the grace of God. He goes on, he says, listen, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Why? To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. Why? So as to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. And oh, by the way, that's us, right? That's the Gentiles. That's everybody but the Jewish people. He says, I became like the Jewish people, like those who followed the law, and I became like everybody else who was just making it through life. Though I am not free from God's law, I am under Christ's law. And Christ's law was pretty simple. Jesus, what's the greatest command? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said. He said, Paul said, I'm under Christ's law. Why? So I can win those not having the law. That's the one law that helps all of us win. That's the one law that helps us win other people. Did you know that? Like nobody in your work, nobody in your neighborhood, nobody down your street, nobody in your apartment complex, they don't care how many rules you know. They care if you love them. 
And they care if you reflect God's love for them. They'll listen to all the other church stuff if they see you reflecting God's love. Love God, use that love to love others. Paul says, that's the win. That's how I reach so many. And then he finishes up in verse 22. He says, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. I became all things to all people so that by all means possible I might save some. Paul, what's the win? Win people. Win people for Christ. Win people for God. But what comes next, that's the part for me. That's the part for you. That's the part for every one of us who consider ourselves Christ followers. He says this, and he speaks my love language here. He uses a sports analogy. Verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? And you say, of course, we know how a race works, right? You line up, you look to your left, you look to your right. You see all the guys you're going to outrun, the girls you're going to outrun. You take off, first one across the line wins. We know this. Why, why are you going to such lengths, Paul? Why, why is Dave laboring on this, right? He says, because here's the idea. He says, and what he says is so powerful here. What he says, we've got to really grasp why Paul is using this sports analogy. He says, listen, when you line up in life, when you start, you've got to approach every day like it's a competition. Because there's a battle going on. There are people trying to win souls. They're either going to lead them astray or they're going to lead them to God. Right? David, the psalmist, says, listen, I'm going to lead you on, uh, the good shepherd leads us on paths of righteousness. But if there's a path of righteousness, guess what else there is? There's a path that leads to ruin. And somebody's trying to lead. Somebody's trying to win. And so we approach each day. We come into each situation like we're, like we're an athlete, like we're lined up on the line. All right, today, I see who my competitor is. I know the enemy. I know what I'm up against. I know the struggles. I know the pain. I know the frustration. I know the distraction. But guess what? I'm going to outrun it today. I'm going to beat it today. I'm going to get where God is calling me today. And he comes at this with this sense of urgency. And look, look at what it says next. Right after he says only one gets the prize, he says, So run in such a way as to get the prize. Pretty deep theology, isn't it? You're in a race. Run to win. You're in a competition. Win. And yet so many of us, we don't approach life that way. It's tomorrow's Monday. What are you going to do? Well, same thing I do every Monday. Get up, go to work, pay the bills, try and get through the day, hope I don't get in trouble, hope I don't get fired, hope my wife doesn't yell at me, hope my kids don't annoy me, hope, hope my doctor doesn't cancel the appointment. Right? We have all these things, and we're just, we're just getting through the day. But what if tomorrow we don't wake up and just try and make it through the day? What if we do what Paul calls us to do? What if we do what God designed us to do and we wake up tomorrow and we say, you know what? I'm going to win the day. And my win tomorrow is to win somebody for God. What if that became your highest priority every single day? How different would your world look if you knew what the win was and you pursued it? You ran in such a way as to win the prize, not just to finish, not just to watch from the sidelines, 
but you ran in such a way as to win the prize. The implication is that we have some urgencies in our life. We've got to pursue some things. We've got to be able to go. Now listen, here's what I know about running. One, I'm really slow. Two, you got to work hard at it. Like, I doubt most of us could just, I mean, there's a few of you in here that look like you're in pretty good shape, but most of us can't just wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm going to run a marathon and win, right? You're going to have to work for it. There's some prep work's got to go into it. There's a little training that's going to have to happen. You're going to have to put some effort into it. Well, look at what he says. He tells us, hey, there's a price to be paid to live this way. Everyone, this is verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Oh, no, Dave, this is where you lose me. Like, I love church. Chairs are soft. Air is cool. They feed us after. I'm good with that. But I don't want to have to work for this thing. Right? I don't want to have to put in the effort. I don't want to have to go into strict training. That does not sound fun at all. And Jesus wants me to have fun and joy in my life, so I am going to just coast. No, no, no. He wants you to experience joy, and joy comes from winning. So we go into strict training. He says they all go into strict training, and they, and they do it. Why? Well, because there's a crown. But he's using this analogy of games, and it was much like the, the, the early Olympic games, right, in Greece. And they would run these races, and they would have these games, and they would give them this little crown of laurel leaves. So have you ever heard the phrase, resting on your laurels? Right? That's where it comes from. It comes from these competitions. They were actual games, and they would win this crown of leaves. Well, guess what? It didn't last very long. But people that rested on their laurels, they rested on that one time they won that one race years ago, way back in the good old days, and right? That's the only story they had to tell. And Paul says, listen, if they're willing to go into such strict training for such a temporary prize, he says, but we, Jesus followers, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And he says, so don't run. Don't run like someone running aimlessly, without a reason, without a purpose, without a win. He says, and don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, strike a blow. I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Why? He says, because I know what I'm about. I know what I'm going for. I know what the prize is. I know what the win is. And so I'm going to do what needs to be taken. I'm going to change my relationships. I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to change my behaviors. I'm going to change who I am to become who God created me to be. And sometimes that's surrender. Sometimes that's developing discipline. And sometimes that's stepping out of our comfort zones. And sometimes that's rearranging our priorities in what matters most. But Paul says we do it. And it's difficult. And it it goes against everything we want. We've got to make our bodies our slave. We've got to put in the strict training so that we can become who God. So that after, he says, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul says, I know what I've got to do. And I do it because I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. I don't want to be disqualified. You know what happens in the Olympics if you're disqualified, right? You don't win a prize. You don't even get to run the race. 
You get to sit and watch while everybody else does. And Paul says, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to spend my life on the sidelines. I don't want to spend my life just watching other people go and win souls, go and help change lives, go and influence others and lead them into a relationship with Jesus. He says, I want to be a part of that. That's what defines who we are, that we pursue God. He says, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the line. In other words, his bottom lines, he says, I'm going to prepare and compete as if my competition is lined up beside me or standing in front of me. He says, listen, every day I'm going to get up and I'm going to look that old devil right in the eyes. I'm going to say, I see you. Let's go. My God's more powerful. I've got better access to more than you can throw at me. And Jesus told him that, right? Remember what Jesus told Peter? He said, hey, Peter, I'm leaving, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, right? He says, I'm turning this whole thing over to you. I'm going to give this on you. I'm going to build my church, and not even the gates of hell can overcome it. He says, listen, when you line up, you've got the best trainers. You've got the best abilities. You've got the best power. You've got access to the greatest things that God has. But we're never going to know that if we don't define who we're going to be for God. If we don't define what it means to win as a Christ follower. You say, Dave, it's easy. You just follow Christ. Eh, it's more than that. That's how we become who he's made us become. But if we don't know what we do with that life once we receive it, if we don't, do, if we don't know what to do with that new creation that he puts in us, that he turns us into... We just become those old American Christians who go to church a couple times a week, maybe, if we're really good. The really good ones go like two or three times. I go once, usually. That's, that's my, that's a joke. You guys can laugh at that. If we don't know what we're to be about, how can we ever get to where we want to go? So, what's the win? What's the win for you relationally? What's the win for you financially? What's the win for your, for, for your finances, for your profession, for whatever your job is? Or, you know what? Some of you retired. What's the win for retirement? Not have to work anymore? That's an okay win. But now what? God's still got you here. You're still breathing. He's got a purpose. What is it? How do we define who God is calling us to be. See, because the reality, and I'm learning this more and more, is you only get one season. Do you know that? You just get one life to live. Uh, I will never be 20 again. Some days I wish I was. Some days I'm really glad I'm not. I'll never get to be 30s again, right? I'm in my 40s now. Won't be long. I won't get to be 40 again. We all only get one season. How are you going to win with what you've got? Right where you are. Right? I can't go back to when I was 20 and have those conversations and tell those friends about Jesus that I wish I could. Right? I can't go back to my 30s and re-preach those lessons or, or have those Bible studies or make those visits or have those calls. But you know what I can do? I can wake up every day and say, today's the day I'm going to win. 
because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for those opportunities. I'm going to tell everybody I come in contact with about Jesus. I'm going to keep thinking about winning souls for God, and that's going to take precedent over my job. That's going to take precedent over my money, over my leisure time, over my retirement. Oh, I'm going to define what it means to win as a Jesus follower. And when you win, here's, here's what I love about it. Think about this. You know it to be true. When you win, the people closest to you win, don't they? Like when you win as a dad, your kids win. When you win as a husband, as a, as a wife, your spouse wins. But guess what? The opposite's true too. When you lose, the people closest to you lose. When you don't ever try, people around you don't get an opportunity to try. Like this, this isn't just motivation to, hey, let's go attack the day tomorrow. This is life and death. This is eternal. When you win as a follower of Christ, everybody around you wins. And that's why Paul said it. He says, listen, everyone who competes, competes, and they go into strict training, and they do it for this temporary crown. But me and you, those of us who call ourselves Christians... Those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, it's not optional for us, right? Everybody else gets to say, ah, I want a better life. I'm going to define some wins, and this is going to be good. But if you're a Christ follower, he says, no, 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 no. It's not optional for us. It's who we are made to be. So who are we going to be? What are we going to do? Paul says, listen, don't run like somebody running aimlessly. And don't fight like a boxer beating the air. Make your body a slave. He says, know where you're going. Know who you're following. Start with the end in mind. And if you know what you've been called to, if you know who it is that has called you, created you, purposed you, and saved you, then you know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to attack every day, looking at your competition, looking at the enemy in the eyes, Saying, not today, Satan. Not today. Today I'm going to win. I'm going to overcome that addiction. Today I'm going to win. I'm going to overcome that habit. Not today, Satan. I'm not going to fall into that same temptation, that same relationship, that same activity. Today, today I'm following Jesus. Why? So that when I look other people in the face, they don't see me winning. They see that Christ has already won. And I get to reflect that. I get to celebrate that. I get to benefit from being on the team that wins. I get to be there. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to find as many people and invite them to come with me. I'm going to go out and find as many people and invite them to know Jesus the way I know Jesus. And that's not just a preacher job. That's a you job. That's an every single person that's received Christ as their Savior job. And it doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you've done it a hundred times or you've never done it before. If you want to win as a Jesus follower, it's go and get people. It's go and win others for the sake of the kingdom. It's go out and find a way to influence people for God. Because here's what I know to be true. Winning is a lot better than not winning. It just is. So our lives are blessed. I, uh, as my second sermon of the day, by the way, my first sermon, uh, we were talking about 
the 23rd Psalm, and we got to that part where it talked about how God prepares a table in the presence of our enemies, right? And I had a whole table and food. It was the best sermon ever, Ron. I actually got to eat while I preached. It was the best thing ever. I'm going to try and figure out a way to work that in a lot more often. Uh, there was donuts. It was great. Here's why I mention it. Not to make you hungry. I mention it because we got to that point where we're talking about how God does that. He, he gives us everything we need in the presence of our enemies, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the competition. And so when he says, hey, we go into strict training, we make our bodies our slaves, that's true. But we cheat a little bit because we've got a God who gives us everything we need. And when we follow him, when we pursue him, he says, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup's going to overflow. And my goodness and my mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But that only happens when we know who we are. We know whose we are. And we attack the day. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for all you do for us. God, I, I just pray that as we, as we begin this conversation today, that we do some reflection. Like, like Paul, we figure out what do I need to become? Who are you calling me to be? What do I need to be to win others? What prejudices do I need to drop? What conversations do I need to have? What apologies do I need to say? And what, uh, what, what apologies do I need to receive and forgive? You know, what habits, what sins, what temptations do I need to remove from my life? God, how do I win? And God, I pray that as we ask those questions, as we reflect on those things, that each one of us, just you stir in us your spirit and a sense of urgency that says, you know what, my time's not past and I don't have forever, but today, today is the day that I've got to go out and pursue people for the kingdom. God, I got to keep thinking souls. But I can't just think about souls. I got to go out and win souls for your glory, for the world's good. And God, you're so gracious, you let us find joy in it. So, God, today, anyone in the room who needs to receive you, God, let their paths cross with those that can help them. God, let them rally around and be prayed for and be prayed with. But, God, for every one of us, Make us better. Help us to win. Help us to have the mindset that says, I don't want to just make it to the finish line eventually, but I want to fight and scratch and claw and win souls every day for your glory. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your son. Without him, none of it's possible. We pray it all in your son's name. Amen.